0: Someone in red, in he to oh, he's it! From and it goes towards the,
1: goal for him. the This could be the most
0: dramatic story of the season. It's Torres. Oh! To get- Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have Logan Stump. Hello there. And Matt Hartgrove. Hey there. I almost went Matt first because I was confused on which one to go into. And then I was like, no, because that would throw everything off again. Like the last time I did that. (laughs) Um, Jordan struggles. (laughs) We are going to be... I got to keep everything straight because, you know, I do like five of these shows now that I have to remember what order I introduce everybody. Um, But yes, uh, we are going to be talking all about the midweek action and previewing the weekend action here for the Premier League. As uh, Logan and I eagerly await any news of an MLS CBA agreement before midnight tonight, so uh, then we'll probably discuss that on whatever episode we do next of the Stateside Soccer Show. If you've been listening, uh, just a quick plug here: we did interview uh, We Are Austin TV on Twitter and Instagram uh, to talk about Austin FC's inaugural season in MLS coming up this year, and uh, got thoughts from. Uh, you know, Austin, Texas on what the city is feeling about the team and, you know, um, expectations for the team. And that was a really good interview. Uh, so you can catch that on this feed that you're listening to this show and also on the Stateside Soccer Show feed. Um, all of those links are in the descriptions. Um, also, if you're listening to this, you probably can see the episode right below this. Uh, it's right below the one you're listening to now. But first, let's talk some English Premier League. We have, uh, this is the, I kind of have these uh, stories just in random order, not in order of games. So, of course, the first one that came to my mind was Jose Mourinho losing two straight home matches and three straight matches in the Premier League. And that was the first time. In his 20-year managerial career, he's lost back-to-back home league games. Matt, what's going on with, with Tottenham here?
1: Uh, they're not very talented. <laughs> um, you take out Kane. and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's, fairly, it's fairly true. Like, obviously, they're talented. Don't get me wrong. Professionals are talented in every way, shape, or form in terms of what sport they play. But in regards to, I think, what you tie into jose's name and tottenham who have have been pretty consistent in top six a lot i mean i feel like since i started watching uh soccer i feel like they're always in a top six team they usually have big names but right now it's it's kind of just harry kane son and if if one of them is hurt it's really just the one player uh, and that's what's happening right now so you You have a team that's based on sitting back and countering, but when you take out one of their two talented uh, attackers who runs the counter, you only have one player that can really attempt, and so they they try to change it up a little bit. They try not to sit back as much, and that opens them up for all sorts of of just crazy attacks against them. I I I think Chelsea had a ton of shots as well um, against them, if I remember reading correctly. I know Liverpool had a ton. Brighton had a ton. These teams, the moment Tottenham had to stop sitting back, they just give up attack after attack. And I, I don't see, I don't see it getting any better. The transfer window shut. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think they're better than the top six or seven teams. And I, I wonder if Jose even lasts the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people really bashing uh jose's uh uh you know run of form here um especially when you think that they fired pochettino to get jose um pochettino made that team very exciting very entertaining uh they usually played you know good soccer and it paid off they got to a champions league final let's not forget. I think they've made some cup finals other than that. But, you know, they hadn't won anything under Pochettino. So they bring in Spurs. Apparently Daniel Le- uh, Levy uh, was very like, this is the guy I want. This is the guy we're going to get. And uh, it-, it hasn't really worked out. It was a good start to this season. But you got Delhi Ali, who can't even see the pitch when they're struggling. And we know that he does have talent. He, you know he's shown that. polchettino thinks he can make it work because he wanted him at PSG. And now I think it. You know that he he can't even leave. Right? He couldn't even get a deal done in the transfer window th- to get a loan at PSG because I, I think Daniel Levy didn't want to. You know, lose him because he probably thinks he can get more money for him. But also, you're not using him. <laughs> And I feel for Deli Alley in the sense of, you know, he's trying to make the Euro squad. He's not going to make it if he's not going to get any chances to actually perform. And Jose took a fun side and made them, you know, the way he always makes his teams since he came back to Chelsea, parking the bus. You know, this is not something that was always a Jose thing. Uh, He always had good defense you know, like his Real Madrid teams didn't just sit uh, back all the time. His Inter Milan team didn't just sit back all the time. His original Chelsea team didn't really sit back all the time. But it's like since he went to Chelsea that second stint, parked the bus and then goes to, you know, United and then goes to Tottenham. And this, he just let Chelsea have possession. And even when they were down 1-0, he just, nothing changed. Nothing changed until Conte really <clears throat> came onto the pitch. Yeah. Uh, I, thought the I, <laughs> yeah, the I thought the penalty was funny. I the penalty was
1: funny. <laughs> <laughs> it just looked like Dyer was trying to... It almost looked like he was trying to commit a penalty. He was just kicking at anything on the ground. And I was like, eventually you're going to hit the player. And that's what he did.
0: Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. Because it's not even like uh, like Werner was in a in a good spot really and it's not like he's going to score anyway let's be real uh, <laughs> as it stands right now so you know it 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 other than that yes they they've you know they kept chelsea to one which was impressive for how many chances chelsea had but you know to think about how this team used to play and and that's where i think you know when you said they're not talented and you you know you corrected by saying obviously they are I think it is becoming a clash of philosophies If they don't have the players to play Jose's style, I don't think. Um, I think the players are more talented than what he's trying to do. And he always does this. He always picks one person on the team that he just picks on, like Deli Alli. Uh, you know, at Manchester United, it was Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw barely ever saw the field with Jose at Manchester United. And now he's like playing really well at Manchester United under Skullscar. So it, it's one of those things that it's... I, you're right. I don't know if he makes it the whole season. I think he will just because I think Dan Levy or Levy doesn't want to give up on the Jose experiment. But Jose's not going to be able to bring in players like he could at Chelsea and Madrid and Inter Milan and even United um, to really fix this. Because Tottenham's never been a club that really buys a bunch. And you get Gareth Bale barely ever seeing the field, too, under him. Uh I know that's probably more of a work ethic thing, I would think, but you never know right now because of the way that he handles his squad. Uh, Logan, I know you're the biggest Jose fan amongst all of us. That's a joke, but uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and tell us what your your thoughts on Jose and and the Spurs team.
2: That's a really good question, but you don't deserve the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> what an ass um no <laughs> i can't stand him I, I i've never liked him i didn't like him when he was at chelsea i never liked him when he's at united i don't like him now um i think he does he's he's not a generational player like this generation's players or coach sorry um a generation that is you know starting to become very youthful and like i i think that you know, the younger that the teams are that he's going to coach, the worse it's going to get, because I don't think the players react the same that they used to when he was old school. I think you can get into Lampard's face or John Terry's or whoever you need to to, to get into them a little bit, and I think that they take it. Diego Costa, you know, I think they've got a, a hard enough personality, but I think once you get these younger guys, it's just not something they, they take too fondly, and I do think that there's some Tottenham players that, that probably don't, Mr. I mean, I can remember the hard knock kind of thing that when he was uh, when they did the Tottenham thing on Amazon, I think it was pretty sure his son or somebody or one of them went after Jose, and, and 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 Jose was just yelling at him, and it got ugly. But I think it's a matter of clashing personalities. It's a matter of this team can't do anything without Harry Kane. The son doesn't have anybody to pass it to. Uh, I don't think you're you know looking at somebody that really understands how to. Put a squad out there that that is any different than what he's always done. Um, so I think that that's a big issue. I think that, you know, besides when they don't have Kane, it's, it's pernicious. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I don't think he's a good enough striker to stay up top. So, you know, I think it just is a matter of them really just struggling to get anything offensively because they've been so reliant on Harry, Kane, and, and Son doing everything.
0: Moving on here. Uh, when we look at the stats, uh, just talking about, the domination. Chelsea, uh, I feel like, had more than this 58% possession they had. And I, like I said, that kind of changed when, when Conte came in a bit. He's just not the player he was before. But 16 shots to 7 for Chelsea. Um, 560 passes for Chelsea compared to Spurs 374. But only uh, six out of the 16 shots, only two of them were on target. For Chelsea as well and like we said before that was a uh, one of those was a penalty and Giorgino did not do his hop skip and a jump penalty thank goodness and uh, he still converted it Uh, so hopefully that's a Tuchel thing I don't know if it is or not but I like that that you know I, I always hate when people do the little you know either stutter step or hop skip and a jump to get to the ball it's just step up and just smash it in Or place it well, you know. Um, On the Chelsea side of this, let's get their perspective. perspective. Thomas Tuchel, seven out of nine points in his first three matches as Chelsea manager. He's also the first manager to keep three straight clean sheets for the first time, I mean, for the first three Chelsea games since Jose Mourinho in 2004. Uh, This is... Uh, you know, they look better. They obviously look better than they did under Frank. They know where they're supposed to be. They're they're making passes. But, and while there's times where Werner still makes good runs and such, Logan, he just, it's like all the attacks just stop right when it gets to Timo Werner.
2: There was one I can remember he got right, right to the top of the box. And it was like watching like a ping, or not a, a pinball machine where it hits the one of those ones that's got the spring on it and it just, just goes nuts after it hits it. It seems like every time that it hits his foot, it goes to the defenders. And if it doesn't go to the defenders, he hits it towards the, the end line and it's, you know, he's chasing it down, trying to get past and the keeper's there. And he is, he's just a mess. If they had a good striker, this team's uh, probably a lot better, top 14 easily. But I think with him and his inability to do really anything correctly, I think they're just. They're just stuck. I think they have to rely on something going right in the midfield um, and one of their midfielders getting an attacking play uh, in, in scoring because I just don't think that I, I I honestly I don't see a goal coming for him. I, I, it's so weird to watch him. He's just so out of form. And you can just tell when he when he does something wrong, his hands go like into his or his face goes into his hands like. It's the end of the world. So, yeah, yeah. and if anybody's going to fix it, it'll be Tuchel, I think. I think he's done a good job turning a lot of it around. I think the defense looks fantastic underneath him, even when Silva goes down. Uh, I thought Christensen played well. But, again, I think everything is reliant upon Werner getting it turned around, and I don't see that happening. And, I, I you know, I'm, I'm to the point where Olivier Giroud's got to be on Tuchel's mind, even if it's just a stopgap for now, just because I, I don't think you're getting any goals from Werner and Tammy Abraham is very hit or miss, so I don't I don't know what's wrong with the attack, but you got to fix it. The only bad thing about
0: if you had to use uh, Giroud is just he doesn't have the pace that Werner has, but uh, he sure, certainly has a better touch than Werner has for sure. Um, yeah, Chelsea still needs to finish right. They they need to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, they've been struggling. With that, uh, you know, when in, in the last match before this, their two goal scorers were Marcus Alonso and Cesar as Piliqueta. and this match it was uh, Jorginho on a penalty. That you know, if we didn't get a penalty, I don't know if we score, you know, the way that they've been uh, playing, and it was the same thing with Wolves lots of chances, no goal, um, so. I I don't know how to fix it in the sense of like even Pulisic and Mount, you know, have not been able to put the ball in the net. Um, it's just, you know, and even there's times when drew does start and he doesn't get it in. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I, I don't know where the goals are coming from in this team, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully Pulisic gets some more chances. Um, he's been mostly a sub in the last three, uh, and was saying he's actually going to be playing a false nine under Thomas Tuchel, which I thought was surprising because I don't think he ever did that at Dortmund under Tuchel. So that will be very interesting. Now, Matt, you have more faith in this team than I have. You have it all season. You still think they're going to climb into the top four. Uh, Is it faith in Chelsea or no faith in Leicester, Everton, and the like?
1: Uh it's a mix. Um I was actually thinking about this today. <clears throat> There's three teams in the Premier League that I think are bound to see a bit of drop off soon. Um especially if they progress. I actually think United, Leicester and Tottenham even more so, I guess maybe than they have. They they all have Europa League which the further they go and I'm assuming they're probably going to get fairly far because half the teams in Europa are still pretty iffy in terms of talent. Um the longer, the more games they have to play. I think that's going to affect it in one way. But I also think that you you see it a lot with teams that have talent that they bring in a manager. What in in almost most sports, maybe not NFL because of how little amount of games. But I feel like when you have the other sports over here, managers make a difference when they first come in. I think, and I no matter what, and Tugel is better than Lampard. I no matter. I don't think you can. I don't think many people can disagree with that. I think Tuchel is a much, much better manager. Has success in Europe. He knows what he's doing, and I think with all the struggles Chelsea's had, they're still right in the thick of it. And a situation like this, it, it almost kind of felt like when were they going to get rid of Lampard, take this risk, and you almost had to hope maybe they took it as soon as possible so they could get a manager like Tuchel and not miss out. And I think that itself is going to help propel them into a top four um, as well with, I, I think the one they replaced, if you had asked me right now of who's in the top four, I do think they replace Lester by the end of the season. I'm not sure how they'll all you know, kind of finish besides city at the top, but I think between the amount of games, some of these teams have to play and it sounds really odd, but maybe Chelsea catch a break. And, and if they get knocked out by Atletico, that's a, set of games they don't have to play. And so they'll have fresher legs. And I think that's going to be key here at the end. I do think they find a way to get above these teams. I don't think West Ham stays in it toward the end. I, I think you can start to really see Villa struggling and it's only going to get worse for them. I You know, Everton, same thing. They have a couple of postponed games and those postponed games are Villa and, and City, which I think are games that you're looking at draws, maybe losses, especially on the the Everton City side. the The teams in front of them, I just don't think have the ability and the oh, no, I don't want to say stamina, but I don't think they can last as the the durability of their success is not something I can foresee continuing by the end of the year. And I think that's what's going to bring them back up. And they just need one team to drop. And I really think it, it's still going to be Leicester.
0: That'd be pretty brutal for Leicester after if that happens two seasons in a row.
1: I mean, where... it, it, it could be, <laughs> but I think it. There's, you know, they already they're they. I believe I heard that they lost Barty for is it is it really for six weeks? Um, you know, I, I think if if Barty is out for another month or so, bet- that and between the fact they have Europa League, which I, you know. I think that is going to play a role. I think teams in Europa are going to watch their league form struggle. If they continue to have success in it and whether or not that's true, I obviously will see, but I think between the amount of games and just kind of how Leicester have this drop off toward the end, I, I do see it being hard for them to stay, stay up there. And I think Chelsea is the team that's primed to take their spot. Uh,
0: with, with Leicester. What would you, uh, how would you rather qualify for the Champions League top four or by winning the Europa League? How about that, Logan? Can you give me that answer?
2: I, it's interesting because I think that this year, I think it most it might be the most challenging to try to qualify for the top four because I do think it's going to be a cluster, you know, what, um, at the four or sorry, from two to two to four. I, I think that. Realistically, they're looking more at a chance to win Europa, and I think that's the way that they qualify to get in. Um, But again, you know, it just depends on the health. I I know Vardy misses a lot of time, um, and he's actually supposed to be back tomorrow. The news, (laughs) the news is out today that he's supposed to be back tomorrow, and I know a lot of them thought that he'd be out for a longer time than that. Um, So I think that you know it depends on him. Honestly, when when he's not in there, it, it can be tough. Them, I think he he creates such a distraction even when he's not scoring that it takes a lot of pressure off of the guys like Madison, um, like Perez, like, you know, know, different guys that are up there. I think that Priyat is hurt, too. So I think that that's another one that's a pretty big loss for them. But I think, you know, with Barnes playing the way that he is, um, it's gonna be tight. It's such a tight, tight top, you know, eight, nine. I mean, it's going to be really close. I think it might be the most interesting finish uh, to a league um, season that we've had in a long time because I think there's a lot of teams that are just – we might go into that last day or two, uh, just people fighting over and jockeying for position, which will be a lot of fun. But, yeah, I, I think Leicester's best route right now um, would probably be Europa because I think the odds are pretty even, about 16%, you know, 20% for each of these teams to try to finish top four now.
0: I would, if I was a Leicester fan or a Leicester team, I guess I'd rather, you know, obviously, of course, you'd rather win it through fourth place and also win the Europa League. But I think it would be more fun to win the Europa League, qualify that way, because you also get a trophy, you know, of the Europa League. But, uh, you know, top four, you're at least guaranteed to get into the Champions League. You're not guaranteed to win the Europa League, uh, even if you make it, you know, past these next stages. So. Uh, It's going to be pretty nervy for Leicester. Uh, Let's move on here to Brighton. Uh, We don't have to get into the Liverpool side of it just yet, but Brighton, two straight wins against top eight teams. Where They just beat Jose Mourinho's uh, Spurs team, and they just beat Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool team. Before that, they also had a draw with Fulham. And a win against Leeds, so they've actually only have one loss in their last five. As they're kind of getting out of that tough, uh, you know, tough slide of form that they had there for a bit. Um, Matt, I'm going to start with Logan here to get the Brighton side, and then and then we can talk some Liverpool Uh, because I know Logan, you you like the Seagulls, you like Brighton. and it looks like maybe they're not going to get sucked into this relegation battle. I
2: really like Brighton. I think they're a lot of fun to watch. I was was kind of sad to see them starting to fall back down when Fulham was getting hot, but they look to be clearing some space above them. But I think their biggest thing going in, and I knew going into the season, I know they made a big deal out of the back three that they usually play, which is Webster, Dunk, and White across that back line. Plus, then you've got March on that... On that other side of, of White, or sorry, on the same side as White, and he plays pretty well down the side. Uh, when Lamptey's out there, he's playing well, too. So he's got, you got two wingbacks that are really good footballers that come up the side. Um, I really do. I, I like the way that they play because they kind of suck those two back down into almost a back five at times to try to defend people. I know they've done it successfully against all these big teams. I think the last big teams that they played, I mean, they played City. They've only held City to one goal. You know, they held Tottenham. To nothing, they helped Liverpool to nothing. Um, So, you know, I think they defend really well. Uh, Their problem is scoring. I don't. I never saw where they were going to get a bunch of goals. So they had to defend, and they're one of these smaller clubs that actually defends pretty well against some of these top teams because they they do they like to camp out in that back, and they've got three real good defenders in the back line. And I think that they'll be there for quite some time. So I think it's, I don't know, it's really fun to watch them. I, I like watching them play. I like them playing. They they play a lot from the back, so that's fun to watch because it's a little different from what some of these other teams try to do when they try to attack so, you know, aggressively.
0: Uh, all right, Matt, you had two straight, Liverpool had two straight 3-1 to victories. Uh, what went wrong against Brighton?
1: You know, it, it's... I think it's one of these. It, it's something that I want to say. Most Liverpool fans, I know. It, I'm definitely in that boat. A lot of people don't want to use injuries as an excuse, but I think at this point, when you look at everything that's happened, injuries are playing a factor on on really three different ways. And I think this Brighton game shows one of the po- one of the ways injuries has affected this kind of this team and. And really, these kind of results are going to still happen with Liverpool this year. There are going to be games that, I think, as Liverpool, you watch and go, Liverpool shouldn't have lost that game. But in reality, what 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 are you really watching with Liverpool and who's actually playing? Because with Liverpool itself, I mean, against Brighton, they had eight players out when Alisson was ruled out due to illness. And of those eight players, all of them are first-team players. This isn't like you know, bench guys, academy guys, this is main starters. But the other issue is that with injuries, you're taking players out of position. So you're having Henderson played center back. You're having Wynaldum play the he's playing the six instead of playing an eight or a ten where he's more comfortable. You have Shakiri playing on the wing when he's actually more comfortable in the middle because Mane's out. You have so much happening. And then the last one is fatigue. And something I, I read this Uh, I believe it was yesterday Liverpool players last year Liverpool had I think I I read it it was 15 players played more than 20 games and you had players like Origi and Ox playing 40 something games because they had the ability to rotate and they could keep into rhythm at this point Liverpool are having the same exact players have to play again and again James Mm -hmm. Milner just started his fourth game in a row Which I had, don't think I've seen in years. I don't think he did that until, except for like his first season with Liverpool. They're not able to rotate. Robertson and Trent looked fatigued as anything on on Wednesday night because they can't play their backups because they, Klopp wants experienced players in the back line and he's having to start Nat Phillips and and Reese Williams and Fabinho, who, you know, can play center back, but he's not a center back. Henderson's not a center back either. He's he's having to play players again and again and again because he he can't bring a lot of inexperience into that team, and it's it's crazy to to really look at how they have to they are going to have these results unless players remain healthy. At this point, you know it, it sucks because I think it's more likely to happen really against the bottom teams. I that's I just think between how the bottom teams play, they basically sit 10 at the back or they sit nine behind the ball. They have one guy up front hoping maybe to hit a counter. And the problem is Liverpool eventually get tired and these players can't rest. You have to play Salah every game. You have to play, you have to play Tiago every game. You have to play Henderson every game. You have to play Jeannie every game. And until these guys start getting back and they are against, it's, it seems like city, they're going to have three guys back. And it sounds like Keita and Jota are also on their way back before leave believe or Everton, which they is in like three games. But these results are, are, are going to happen. And I think the main reason why it's injuries. And I don't think, I don't think there's anything to do with Klopp's system. I don't think it has anything to do with being found out. I think when you take into account who's injured, how many players are injured, what he's having to put out lineup wise, whether it's out of position, players who don't normally start players, Who are starting but having to start at different spots every single game. If (laughs) there's a chance that the 17th, he might have his 17th center back pairing start on Sunday if Fabinho starts with either of the new signings or if Henderson starts with either of the new signings. The moment one of those new signings plays, that's the 17th center back option that he's had to pick from. And you, you can't consistently win and play at the level you have the last few years when these are something that's happening. And it's, I, I mean, it, it's going to be tough because, again, there's going to be games like it. But I, I fully believe a game like what happened versus Brighton happens because these guys are tired and they're just not, they're so out of, they're out of position. its It sucks, but they might come out and beat City. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a rough year. But I think they, they really just want top four at this point.
0: All right, uh, moving on here. Arsenal shoot themselves in the foot here. They they uh, had a good chance to win this game against Wolves as they score 32 minutes in to make it 1-0. And then we get the David Luiz red card, which is brutal. I think. Uh it is I guess technically correct. Um I I know they say that like, you know, yes, there's nothing like intent if a foul's a foul. But I kind of thought more that the Wolves player kind of kicked into Louise a bit. You know, like Louise is running behind him. Uh it's just tough to tell. And, uh, I think a red card is brutal there. I think you could just give them the penalty. Um, but obviously, you know, just how the laws are, I guess. But, um, it's something I feel like that should be, you know, taking a look at, I guess. Uh, cause it's hard to look at that and say, that's a red, you know? um, because it's barely any contact that I can see on the thing, and even then, it's like just so accidental. And and like I said, I know intent is not part of the law anymore, but at, at that point, the punishment should just be the penalty. Why do you have to give them the red? I I think that should be kind of looked into at some point. They did appeal it; they did not get the appeal. So that gives them a penalty. Uh, wolves equalize, and then. Jal Mutino uh scores to give them the lead, and then Bert Leno, uh burned Leno comes out and handballs it intentionally uh outside of the box, hitting it out of bounds. Uh that's another red card. And Arsenal just implodes. This is kind of like the end of their uh run where they were playing really well for a bit. Um when we look at uh, the the standings and such, you know, they're still not far off. But let's talk about David Luiz because he's been kind of, a, okay, I know him very well from Chelsea, right? He was on Chelsea. I, I know him pretty well there. He was always kind of dangerous in the back, uh, good at free kicks, but uh, that's not really what you sign a center back for. He has four red cards in the Premier League. Three of them is since he moved to Arsenal. Two last season and one this season. So in the last two years, he's had three red cards for Arsenal in the Premier League, compared to one for Chelsea uh, in the Premier League. Uh, he kind of has that reputation of of you know giving up you know bad defense and also the red cards now but uh not a good look for david luiz not a good look for arsenal chelsea fans are rejoicing cuz they did not get uh, they did not spend more money on david luiz but let's uh let's talk about arsenal perspective here logan um one what you think of the penalty and the red card uh you know obviously the second red card i think is a little bit more straightforward uh what you think about those and then uh where do they go from here? Seems so Arteta.
2: I don't know. You know, early on in the season, too, they have issues with this and they had issues with discipline. They He seems to not really have any kind of grasp on what's going on in the locker room. I don't think the players respect him. I don't think he respects many of them. You know, I think his younger lineups were the ones that were working. But then again, you start putting Louise in there and it's he's a disaster. Uh, I do think that the, the penalty was a little tough. I mean, the penalty's good, but the the, the red card's tough. I, I don't know how you make that assumption based off of accidental. But, uh, you know, I don't think it was purposeful. I don't think he had intent. But, you know, because it was the way that, I, I mean, I think the way that he hits him, uh, I think that that gave the ref at least the idea that it, it could have been red. Um, but then again, like, then you see Leno do the stuff that he does. He come. I don't know, I don't think I've ever seen a keeper look that idiotic. And, and uh, like, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> he chased it. And I don't know why he was chasing it because the defender was coming to get it. And, and it, the Wolves player was close, but he's all the way over there. He's not going to do anything with it over there. So I don't really know what was going on with him. I, I think just uh, it's uh, it's not discipline. It's just really bad play. I think Logan, what's, what's
0: worse here, giving up another goal or losing another man?
2: I think losing the other man. Like, I, exactly. especially That's the way I that you lose what he that. Was doing. Right. When you lose that, like when you, I, I, I did. I laughed when I saw it. Cause I didn't see it. Like, I didn't know who else got sent off. I knew Louise did, but I didn't know that it was the keeper that got sent packing. I was like, what did he do? So I went back and watched and I was just laughing. And uh, I think Musto said it. He goes, it's just been this kind of thing with them. They've played well like for a stretch, but for the most part, they've been pretty bad this year. I think that you see a lot of flaws in the way Arteta coaches or doesn't really manage his players very well. He doesn't have a lot to pick from. I do give him that. I think that he's got a pretty shallow-looking team. Uh, I think that at the beginning it was their attack. I think their defense is just not very good either. So it does. It causes all sorts of problems. Um, I'm sure Party is absolutely confused as to what's going on, why he went there and didn't just stay put for another year or two and try to go somewhere else. But, you know, I, I think it's just, it's become an issue of of discipline. He, he doesn't seem to have any kind of grasp on how to actually manage players. It seems like there's no punishment for doing wrong with Arsenal.
0: Uh, Matt Wolves had had a very rough slide recently. Uh, they had had, Two loss, uh, three losses in their last five with a draw, and now this win against Arsenal. They have Leicester coming up next. Is this a, a dawn of a new Wolves again, or is this just a blip on the radar?
1: Uh, I think it's more of a blip. I mean, they barely got out of beating Arsenal with nine men. Yeah, Arsenal had some
0: good chances. (laughs) Arsenal had really good chances. That I was like, you know, for being two men up, Wolves is lucky to get out of here. I
1: I think you. I mean, take a look. I know that they're different teams and on different levels of talent in terms of who they have. But Man United had a game where they scored nine goals, where most of them were up a man, and then Wolves basically have to did the red the red card. Well, that was the penalty. So. They had to get a red card to get the first goal, and then they got a second goal, and then they just, they didn't look really all that threatening even after the second red card. I don't even know if you were watching that game, say you started watching it with the 15 minutes left, could you really look at it going, could you have watched it going, wow, Wolves are, uh, Wolves. there must be something up here, Wolves are playing really well, like is, is everything okay with Arsenal, and I, I don't even think I could have said that, it, It almost seemed like losing two players put these teams on even terms. And I don't think, I think as a Wolves fan, you have to be concerned about that. That you know, I understand maybe one red card, but when a team goes down two, and one of them is your goalkeeper, who's probably Arsenal's best player, to not even, you know, look super threatening to almost to the point where I thought Arsenal had a better shot at tying than Wolves had a shot at going two up. That, it's concerning. I think that's a, a blip, and you know they might play some draws here, but I don't see where they're where they can get a confident three points if if that's how they're going to play, even two men up. Uh, that's worrying to me.
0: No, I definitely agree with you that this is probably going to spell some problems for Wolves. Uh, you know, especially when that second red card happened. I'm like, okay, now this is a chance for Wolves to really this game away but there were some nervy nervy chances there uh to give arsenal an equalizer that uh would have been spectacular if you were arsenal. And i think that's a good sign for arsenal as well going forward i'm not going to take logan's approach here and totally shame arteta and the team do uh, it. uh i think do it. it was a very bad mistake by leno i do think the louise one was harsh but uh I think the way that they were almost able to get an equalizer, two men down is a good sign that this team is probably still on the right track with, you know, coming out of that awful slide uh, before December. So uh, that's my thoughts on it. We're going to move on to Manchester United who put nine past Southampton. Uh, The red red card for Southampton, the first red card for Southampton has been rescinded, uh, but it, Definitely changed the course of the game so early on. It was in the second minute of the game, if I recall correctly. Uh, Then there was a second red. Um, We had a 6-0 scoreline, and uh, who was it? Uh, Was it Martial that dove in the box?
1: Yeah, dove up a man, down, or up, down, wait, up a man, up six goals, and he's still diving.
2: Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. Um that doesn't seem characteristic of uh, a man united player.
0: <laughs> that made it seven nothing, and then you had two goals in the 90th plus uh minutes. Uh Logan, diving up six nil and somehow Var not overturning it, I guess. Um what uh, is, is that an okay thing to do?
2: No. <laughs> Um, uh, I mean, if it was Bruno, I wouldn't have been shocked, to be honest. With him, it was Martial, wasn't it? Um, I, I, you yes. know, He has struggled some this year, so maybe he thought that – <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he thought he was going to get a, a penalty kick on his own. I have no idea what he thought. But, no, I don't – I hate I, – I just I, – I hate that it was 9 Um just because as a city and their neighbor, um, I, I think it was – it was kind of worrisome because you're like, you see that scoreline and you saw all these guys starting to see balls go in. But, you know, I just don't like their tactics as far as Bruno sliding all over the place because he does it often. He hasn't done it quite as much um, lately because, I you know, I don't think he's been around the box as much. And I know he's been out a couple of times where he's come in a sub or um, just hasn't played as much. But I think that, you know, it's just not not cool (laughs) like you're up you're up that much just just take the you know take the loss of possession and and get back and play defense and and just play soccer I don't like the whole theatrical uh, approach that United seems to have um you know Prague was the same kind of way I think that, that it's just something that they do it's something that they're good at it's something that they score goals off of so they know that they can do it effectively so why not I guess it's it's a tool in their shed that not many other clubs get to have
0: Matt, two straight years of Southampton being on the losing end of a 9-0 result last year against Leicester, this year against United. 9-0 has only happened three times in the 28 years of the Premier League. What exactly went wrong with Southampton? Was it just uh, the red cards piling up? And uh, now people are also saying that uh, you know Hasenhutl uh, should not be given a top job uh, since he's had two nine nil results, uh, against him. What say you?
1: Uh, you know, I personally, I, I don't know much about the Lester one. I, I don't recall too much of that game. Um, but this one, I, in the end, I, I didn't change my perception really of either team. I uh, you know, I, it just seemed like one of those games where everything that could go right for one team went right. And everything that could go wrong mm-hmm. for one team went wrong. And it's, and in a sport like soccer, when you lose players, I mean, think of the, like almost pretend like in an NFL game, you could get a red card and say that team's defense lost two players. You take out two players from any team. Honestly, if you take out one, it's still pretty hard. But a team like Southampton, who really has not been on great form, they, you know, they got to win against Liverpool in a game where, honestly, it's another game where I don't, I really, wasn't impressed with them they won the game but between everything with Liverpool and the way they scored it was just everything they did right on one play got them to the win but to lose somebody to lose a player in the first couple of minutes on a team that already has so many injuries that their entire bench for the most part is academy players against a team like United who had struggled recently who almost like they just needed a team that they could just just kind of take out their frustration on. And I think losing that player in the first couple of minutes made United go, hey, like let's just go all out here. We're going to take advantage of this situation. And they did. And honestly, they they kept attacking. And Southampton really had no answer to it. But I I don't think it's... It wouldn't shock me if, you know, Southampton wins this week and United lose this week, or this weekend. Because I don't think that game should have changed perceptions on anybody on any of these teams. I feel bad for the Academy player who in two minutes into his debut gets a straight red card. Uh, It was a terrible play by him, but like I felt bad for the guy and I just kind of was like watching going Southampton needs us to stay nil nil as long as possible to have any shot. And the moment that first goal went in, I was like, it's, this is going to be bad because they're going to be down United are going to they're going to smell blood and they're just going to go for it and they did and you know it, it worked in their favor. They didn't stop scoring which is important for goal differential but to say this kind of result from this game should affect, you know, whether Housenhold should get a top job, I think that's stupid. I don't think I think if somebody looked at one result from every manager's career or even two or three results and that's what caused you to to decide to hire or not hire them, I think that's a bit of an issue on their team's part. But, you know, he, you just got you, you end the game. And, you know, when Liverpool beat Palace 7-0, I think, I don't remember if it was Klopp or Hodgson who said it, but he was like, 7-0, 1-0, it's still a win. <laughs> I think Klopp said he'd rather win seven games 1-0 than one game 7-0. And after that game, I really would take seven 1-0 wins because I think they've only won one game since it. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I this shouldn't affect anything with with housing huddle.
0: And I misspoke earlier, I believe. It was the second red card that was rescinded uh, for Southampton, not the first one. Uh, Bednarak's uh, red card is what was rescinded. Um, so let's just go through. Uh, oh, re- before we go through the rest of the results, Sheffield United won against West Brom. They're now at 11 points. Uh, they are not going to break history and have the lowest point total, and get relegated. Um,
1: I don't think they come in last. Really? No, I, th- I think they're better than Oh yeah, West I mean, Brom. yeah,
0: West Brom is now at 12 points, uh, and Sheffield's at 11, so you're right with the way West Brom's been playing. They can certainly, uh, which is three losses out of their last four, um, while Sheffield United have three wins out of their last five. I could definitely see them staying up. Um, I'm not staying up, but you know, going above West Brom for sure. Uh, but I have a minus
1: 34 goal difference. Sorry. I was just looking at it. I didn't even realize. Oh no.
0: Yeah. They have very bad, very bad. They've given up 52 goals. My thought is that is that the bottom of the table is sealed. I I really think it's going to be these three teams. I, I can't see. I can't see Fulham getting over Burnley. Burnley's been, you know, playing better than Fulham. um, Newcastle, I don't think is going to get sucked into this because they're still eight points up, and if Fulham and West Brom and Sheffield are not going to go on a spectacular run here, which they only have twelve games left to do, Fulham has thirteen games left to do, then I think this is sealed up. Uh, what say? Uh, what say you, Logan? Is the bottom of the table done? I think Crystal Palace still has quite
2: a bit of a chance to get <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think you're right. I think it is interesting, though, like Newcastle has been really bad. Um, so if Fulham wins their game in hand, they're 17. So they're only five down from Newcastle. And I think Burnley's game in hand might be. I don't know if it's I don't think it's the city game anymore. Is it? I don't know. I don't remember. I think it is city then. Um, but anyway, I, I think that Burnley playing better than Newcastle is currently. So I think they'll swap at some point. So it'll be interesting to see if Newcastle loses and Fulham were to win, say, their game in hand, and then win again, then you're going to start seeing some pressure put on Newcastle. But I do think it might be a little late. Um, I, I hope that they do get that game played because I think it, the more pressure and the more time that Fulham can put on on Newcastle, I do think Newcastle could very well see um, a, a battle from trying to stay up, which would be interesting because of... I mean, their their fans had to been had to have been on cloud nine before the season. Really, I mean, not before the season, but before um, project restart and everything else that was going on, because of all those rumors of owners coming in, and then after that, owners coming in, and it just never panned out. So, from going to that feeling to maybe a relegation battle, um, it, it could be interesting. So, no, I don't think it's quite locked in, but give it a couple more weeks, and then I think you might see full, um if their form's not good, then they're sure going to be locked down there with the rest of them.
0: What do you say, Matt? Is the bottom three the three that get relegated here?
1: Yeah, I, I don't see it changing. I don't think – I know Newcastle struggled, but I. you look at the teams and I don't see how you can expect – you know, West Brom and Sheffield, sadly, I, Sheffield could go on a run. Like, I actually think if any team went on a run, somehow I think it's them. Cause they've just been playing better, but Fulham are having trouble. They're all they all have trouble scoring. West Brom clearly have trouble scoring and not giving up score, uh, giving up goals. But there's just nothing I, I can see from any of these teams that it's going to show anything. And looking at the table, they're the only teams with less than five wins in twenty-two games, and that's that's really bad. Like that's. On uh, a season where teams are super close to each other to have only two wins in a at most of what two wins in a twenty two games is one in eleven, which is less than winning at ten percent that's it's just not good that none of them are doing anything they're all going down.
0: That'd be quite miraculous if Sheffield gets himself out of this. We know they have the quality from last season, but uh I just can't see it. At this point, uh, so let's go over the rest of the results and the table then. Um, like I just said, Sheffield won two to one over West Brom. I think that's their third game now, of scoring two goals. Uh, Wolverhampton, we just said, be Arsenal two one, Manchester United nine nil over Southampton on Tuesday, Newcastle one, Crystal Palace two. Our predictions were uh wrong, Logan was the closest with a Crystal Palace two nil victory. Matt had a nil nil. I had a Newcastle one nil victory. Um, Wednesday was Burnley nil Manchester City two, Fulham nil Leicester City two, Leeds United one Everton two. Uh, our predictions there were all Leeds, and I even said on the show that meant Everton was going to win, and they did. <laughs> it's so. Uh, <laughs> Don't place any bets on uh, what we're saying here, please. Uh, Aston Villa won West Ham three as Aston Villa continued their struggling. I-, I wanted to highlight that as well, but we just don't have enough time really. Um, we'll probably highlight that over, you know, after the weekend slates. But their their games in hand are, are pretty much um, losses at this point. Um, Jesse Lingard on loan. You know, scoring, I think it was a brace for West Ham. So, pretty good return there for West Ham already. Brighton won, Liverpool nil. Um, Thursday was Tottenham nil, Chelsea won. Uh, that was Matt. Matt, you got it right. Um, so you win the prize, which means that, uh, that the prize is that you get to be on the show next Monday and <laughs> talk some more. <laughs> um, I had 3-0, Logan had 2-0, Chelsea victories. Upcoming matches, oh, before we get to upcoming matches, let's just take a look at the table real quick. Number one, we have Manchester City with 21 games played and 47 points. They've had five straight victories. Uh, Manchester United in second with 22 games and 44 points. Leicester City third with uh, 22 games and 42 points. less uh, Liverpool in fourth with 22 games and 40 points. West Ham in fifth, still the highest London club, with 38 points out of 22 games. Chelsea rising up to six. They're had They've had 22 games and 36 points. So they're coming for that highest London total. Then you have Everton, Spurs, Villa, Arsenal, Leeds, Southampton, Palace, Wolves, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, and then we have Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield in the bottom 3 by at most 11 points and at least 8 points. So, getting a little tough there at the bottom like we just said. Looking forward to the next games, Saturday, February 6, Aston Villa versus Arsenal at 7:30 a.m. on SN. Newcastle versus Southampton at 10 a.m. on NBCSN. Burnley versus Brighton, 10 a.m. on Peacock. Fulham versus West Ham at 12.30 on NBC Proper. Uh, That's not a channel name, just regular NBC. Uh, Manchester United versus Everton at 3 p.m. on NBCSN. And that is what we're predicting for Saturday. So, Logan, does Manchester United continue their... Hot form after beating Southampton nine nil. What's your prediction here?
2: I'm going to say that sometimes when these big when these big scoring games happen, I feel like the team the next match draws for some reason. So I'm going to go a draw, and I'm going to say it's one one uh, equals or, or finishes level between the two. You said two two. One one.
0: Oh, one one. Okay, Matt. Uh, who do you have here?
1: Uh, so what was the game again? Sorry.
0: United and Everton, okay, your that's two favorite that's, clubs. I don't know
1: why. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty close to Logan's. I actually think this ends nil nil, though. Um, so same thing with draw, but it just seems like a game. I, you know, United kind of get a bit of a letdown after scoring nine, and I, I, I just think these kind of games are the games that United seem to to draw and never score. But I also don't think Everton are good enough to score on United.
0: I'm going ahead and saying Manchester United 2-1 victory. Uh, Sunday, February 7th, we have Tottenham versus West Brom on NBCSN. At uh, I didn't write down the time, obviously, on that one for whatever reason. I think that's 7 o'clock. Um, let me just check that real quick. And it is, yeah, 7 a.m., not 7.30. 7 a.m., Wolves versus Leicester at 9 a.m. on NBCSN. Liverpool versus Manchester City. The biggest game that's gonna be played on Sunday is this in any sport. And that's Liverpool versus Manchester City at eleven thirty a.m. on NBCSN. And then we have Sheffield versus Chelsea at two fifteen on Peacock. Logan, I have to ask, who do you have in Liverpool and Manchester City?
2: Well, we're pretty well-rested coming off the two-week break, um, so I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> say City win. I'm going to say City win 2-0, because I'm afraid that Liverpool just can't score anymore. Matt, who do you got?
1: Jeez, that's not... He wasn't even talking about just, like, this past like, right before the game. <laughs> I mean, I... I, uh, I don't... Like, I, I clearly... I know, like, Logan picks 2-0 because he's a City fan, and he just... Doesn't it's really clear. work that. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's honestly it's tough because I I personally think it's going to end one one. Um, I I do think there's a sh- I I don't think City can I don't think City win it because I think I do think Pep knows that he's still his team is way but is still way better so I I just think he goes in there going I don't want this to ruin our season so I I think. In a sense, they're not going to be as attack-minded as they might like to be, and they might try to make sure Liverpool don't decide to have like a, a run-riot-type game on them with their players back. But then it could also be interesting because Liverpool could be starting a, a centre-back who's a 20-year-old Turkish guy who's never played in the Premier League and has given up on a team that gave up 40, 50 goals in Germany. Um, so it's going to be a fun game, but I, I do think it, it still ends 1-1. I think it's a draw, which is great for City, and I would say that's a a poor result for Liverpool with what they need.
0: I'm going to say Pep does the opposite. I think he's going to come in hot. I think he's going to go all out because if he wins this match, I think it effectively uh, ruins uh, Liverpool's chances for certainty now. I think that could put an end to Liverpool for sure. And I think that he wants to just bury United as well. So I'm going to say they come out hot and win three
1: one to Manchester City. It's impressive. Like I mean, it would be impressive. Like I know Anfield's not the place Pep tends to have success, but I, I will be interested to see if if they can parlay like their team right now into what Liverpool is playing right now, and just see how that result plays out. Um, because honestly I don't think Liverpool have actually been really all that poor defensively and I was looking at it since the only teams that have scored an open play goal against Liverpool since the last Liverpool City game in the league are City and Tottenham and City Tottenham and West Ham every goal they've given up besides that has been off of a free kick penalty kick or corner kick so it'll be interesting to see if if that plays a role and see if City can score a few goals or maybe Liverpool can pull out. I guess an upset really at this time.
2: It is weird London? to watch, though, because like Liverpool, you just don't know. Like it, that, that's like predicting this. I, I have no idea what Liverpool's going to. It's like. uh, does
0: like, does Jekyll or Hyde come out? Uh, right, exactly <laughs> right.
2: It, it is. It's it's <laughs> like man, this team can come out and just absolutely murder you. But this also could just be a, a really bad Liverpool team. Uh, you know, I have no idea what it's going to look like. I'm sure Matt feels the same when he's watching. Sometimes it's like, God, I don't know, God, yeah, I don't know what's going to
1: Oh, it, it, it's incredibly difficult because it, you, you don't know. But what's weird is that it's, it's not the defensive end of the team that's actually been worrisome. Um, it's, it's is Liverpool going to be able to score? Are they going to look creative? Are they going to look like they can play on the attack? And I think that's what's interesting to see is what could they do if they, if they start somebody like Kabak at center back with Fabinho, you know Henderson moves up and that that can change the entire game. So it's it's really hard to predict Liverpool right now. I I, I do think defensively I, I still think they're sound because they haven't even really had issues recently. I mean these goals they've been given up have not exactly been getting torn apart and having trouble keeping teams from getting into the net. I mean, the goal they gave up against Brighton was a corner kick that went off of Liverpool's, I would say, sixth-choice centre-back onto two different Brighton players as it pinballed off of one onto another that went into the goal. And in fairness, that was like one of their only attempts that really looked on goal, and it was like a mistake. So it, it, it it's just hard. It's it's really hard to predict any game at Liverpool right now.
0: We got one more prediction here. We have Monday, February 8th at 3 p.m. Leeds vs. Crystal Palace on NBCSN. And guess what, guys? Only two Peacock matches this weekend. So it's either because they've heard complaints or they're just uh, throwing people that don't have Peacock a bone this, this week. Uh, who do you have, uh, Logan? Leeds or Crystal Palace? Who do you got?
2: I'm gonna go with Leeds. I, I like the way that they're playing. I, I think that you know they they struggle against some of these big teams, and I, I think they do play well against teams that are sitting around the same position that they are. Plus, I, I do. I feel like they're finding some form with with Bamford playing pretty well. So I think that I'm gonna go with a let's go with the three one win for Leeds.
0: Three one to Leeds, Matt. Who do you have here?
1: Um. I saw this really funny picture of Winnie the Pooh earlier today. But I think that's a sign <laughs> that I should, pro- I should pick Crystal Palace. Um, I actually do think, because Leeds tends to have a few really good games, and then they have a big, big drop-off. I think this is another one of their drop-offs. Uh, I think Palace actually went at 2-0.
0: And I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm just going to go with leads. I got to go with my gut, even though my gut's wrong every week. But I'm going <laughs> to go. I don't know how many of these I've ever gotten right. But I'm going to go ahead and go with, uh, let's say, 4-2 leads. That's right. It's going to be an all-timer on Monday. Um, so, yeah, that that about wraps up our... Uh, show here at the top of the goal scoring chart is still Mosala He's got 15 um, assists. Is Harry Kane still? Uh, not really much changing in those regards so far. But you know, we're we're uh, we're past halfway. We're on. You know, when do you think the home stretch is? Can we call March the home stretch? I think that's what I'm gonna say. I think March really starts the home stretch of uh, you know, the Premier League as we get with, you know, just three months left. Um some of these teams only have twelve games or less left, so a lot of these teams have to start making up these uh making up these positions, making their way up the top of the table. You know, Chelsea's all the way up to six now, they've been Top of the table at some point. Was that December, November at some point? They were number one. Um, It's just time for for these teams to start making a move if you're going to make a move. If you're going to jump up the table, you got to start doing it soon because you got like a third of the season left, or yeah, around a third of the season left. And that's it. So um, if any of those managers are listening to me, you got to get it done. Just go. (laughs) and make your way up the table like anybody's listening (laughs) to this but anyway (laughs) let's go ahead and wrap it up uh we have a giveaway currently uh on our stateside soccer show twitter uh so if you uh, we've retweeted it on stoppage time soccer shows twitter uh so if you want to follow us it's on twitter at stoppage show facebook.com slash stoppage time soccer show um the Instagram is at Stoppage Time Soccer Show and email stoppage time show at gmail.com. So on the Twitter you'd be able to find the tweet that links to uh, it's a quote tweet. Or you could just go to at stateside show. That's for stateside soccer show. And uh, we have a giveaway. What are we giving away, Logan? What are you having in your possession right now that we're we're giving away? Tell the people.
2: We are giving We are giving away an extra-large Portland Timbers kit, Um, and I don't think it was last year's. I think it was the year before, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, But, yeah, it's still a nice kit. It's got the the star above the logo. Um, So all the Portland Timber fans, if you're out there, uh, might be one, you know, if you're a kit collector like Jordan, you might – Need something like this on your shelf. I know we got a couple injuries so far, but yeah, go over and go over and like that so you can get a nice Portland Kimber timbers kit and maybe we'll have some CBA news here in a couple hours.
0: Yeah, just follow the rules there. There's multiple ways to enter, like liking the tweet, retweeting the tweet, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, um, for the stateside soccer show. Um also, if you're going to go ahead and do that, make sure you leave us one too here on stop. It's time soccer show, but uh, that, that about wraps us up. Thank you everybody for listening. We will catch you all Monday when we break down the weekend action and man, I can't wait till we get back to like one game a week. This is exhausting. But <laughs> I hope everybody has a great <laughs> weekend. Uh, you know, make sure you watch that Liverpool Manchester city game. Cause there's no other sporting event. That's that important on Sunday. Um, unless if I'm forgetting something. But I think that's about it. Uh, Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you all next time. Kane has stolen it to death! That's what he's there for! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to... Listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.